Hello, and welcome to Comically Pedantic, where we take a detailed look at the complicated concepts, characters, and history of comic book culture. I'm your host, Derek L. Chase, and joining me on this episode, as always, is the wonderful Corinne Levy. Hi! Oh my (laughs) god, it's been a minute! For us, at least, I don't know if it's been a minute for the internet or not. Um, No, actually, the last episode... No time has passed for them. It's been about a month since you and I have sat down to record an episode of our show. I think it's been like three weeks since we've recorded someone else's show. Which is essentially a month. I don't know. Yeah, it's basically a month. And um, actually, we had enough of a backlog of episodes that we are currently caught up. So as long as I can get this edited and put out on time, there will be ha- there will be no break between episodes. All gas, no breaks. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Also, uh, I guess because what we record on updated, I got to hear the theme song for the first time in a while. And it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because we never hear it before we record. So I only would have had to hear it if um, Max had um, our podcast on in the car before I got in. And then I'll hear the guitar and I'm like, what's that? Oh no, it's going to be me. Turn it off. (laughs) Because I hate hearing my own voice. Um, It's a time. I hope other people enjoy it. But like, I sound so strange to myself. I'll never get used to it. This has been an interesting uh, transition for me because I always hated my voice. And now I've just gotten to a point where it doesn't even, like, I recognize it as me. But, like, I don't think of of it being my voice, if that makes sense. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that I said. But it sounds like it's being said by someone else. It's more of, like, the mannerisms in which I speak that bothers me. Like, I know... (laughs) It's more of just, I just, my existence bothers me. It's not the words that come out of my mouth. I used to like laugh at the end of every sentence for a while. And it's always because I'm nervous, but I try and do it less. My first episode, I've never been recorded before. I would just be like, oh no, sexism is bad. Teehee. I mean, I think and, I And now I this do podcast has beaten me down so I can no longer laugh after sentences. I, I do that still, but I do try to keep it in mind when we're recording certain yeah. things that I do that, like, to me sounds fine. But then when I, I go back and listen to it, I'm like, oh, no, 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 this sounds terrible. Don't do this ever again. Yeah, it's like my body forgot what punctuation is. Like, he, he, he is a period to me. Before we get started, I What's I making you ask- he, he, he? What's your ah. price not? Cutting me off, I see. <laughs> I actually have a lot. Uh, oh, good. To, 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 there was so much going well. That's my favorite thing to hear. Uh, so before, I actually was thinking about this before I went to work today. I was like on my way to work and I was, I, I was thinking, how am I going to answer this question? And I was going to just flat out talk about Scream 6. I, I went to go see Oh, good. Last week, Scream 6, and I was so into this movie. Like, it's I, like it's not oh, better good. than the first one, but it is yeah. a very good sequel. I very, like, it might be my favorite sequel. I wanted to go see it um, recently. I put, 
I gave Max a couple of options. We could either see Cocaine Bear, Scream 6, or we could see Creed 3. And he chose All three of those, they look great. He he didn't want to go see Cocaine Bear. And I was like, but it's a bear. How would you not? I love bears. And it's Elizabeth Banks. And you can't really go wrong with her. I know. So we've learned. So we watched the, the other Power thing, Rangers I, I, for those who don't know. We watched Power <laughs> Rangers. She's in it. She's great. We talk about it more on a different podcast. Yeah, and when that comes out, we'll let you all know. Mm-hmm. I after I got to work, I I I was made aware there was a competition over the weekend for all of the stores in my area. My area is quite large. <laughs> it right. uh, encompasses pretty much my entire state. And uh, it turns out, you know, I did a lot of hard work over the weekend. So did my team. It's not obviously not just me. We came in number one. (laughs) The entire area, which was uh, blew me away. I couldn't believe it. Uh, But I got the email at like as I got to work and I was like, well, I'll be damned. I feel pretty good about this. That's exciting. Are you going to like celebrate with your crew? We're having, um, my boss is buying my entire team lunch uh, this upcoming weekend. Oh, um, good. Both, on both days. We're, we're getting a full thing. That way. That uh, way everybody gets it. Right. And nice. I'm going to talk to them about it not being something like pizza, because that's kind of a silly, <laughs> like it doesn't really feel like a celebration. It feels more like a, it feels more like a, consolation. (laughs) I get that. There are some foods that are like, you know, when it comes to something big like that, like underwhelming almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody loves a pizza party, but like everyone loves a pizza party when they like reached the reading goal of like the classroom or like, like that isn't appropriate because the, the audience is, you know, children and tired teachers and they damn it deserve a good cheesy pizza um so like that makes sense is it underwhelming if it comes from Domino's? absolutely but if it's from like a good pizzeria you're like oh za so i get that you know maybe something different yeah i'm i'm going to be connecting with my my boss Probably tomorrow to be. And there's so much good food like around where you work that it's like it shouldn't be difficult. No, 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 no. I'm I'm sure that we'll we'll find something good. Um, Yeah. Because I I also like I'm truly amazed at the work that my team has put in. And I think that they deserve something more than than some pizza. You know, absolutely. Hey, shout out to them. Good job, Derek. You you guided a team to greatness. Oh, it feels weird to take a compliment. Um, so I it, should ask. Nah, you can't escape it, though, because if you do, that means we have to stop recording and we can't do that. We have too much to talk about. <laughs> so uh, what was your bright spot for the last week? Um, or I guess since the last time we talked, since it's been quite a while. It's been a hot minute. Um. Did I see you before or after I went to a cat show? Did I ever tell you I went to a cat show? I don't think you told me about this. Okay, well, one thing. Like cats doing like circus stuff? 
No, like um, almost like the equivalent of a 4-H club competition where they like they oh. look at the cat's fur. They yes. have it like go on a scratching post to look at the expression. Like, okay, I've seen these. Yes. Super funky, super cool. Um, I literally drove from Connecticut to Lancaster, Pennsylvania <laughs> to, <laughs> to go to this cat show with some lovely friends. Um, so I got to do that, and that was a lot of fun because I did that when I basically just moved. So it was like I was itching to see some friends, and they were like, Come visit. And I was like, thank God I'm coming. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. I've been reading a lot. I always am reading though. So that's not new. And I did get a job. Now that I have moved, I am employed again. And it feels so nice to like clock into a place and then clock out of a place and be like, I did work today. It's so nice. I'm very grateful. My job has very like achievable goals that are like reasonable. And you're probably what, like, I feel like other people are like, wow, this sounds like a basic, normal job. And that's exactly what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted a job that was not unhealthy for me. And I found it. It's long. Like, the days are long. But I can't complain because it's like a nor it's a good adult job that makes sense for me and i'm i'm very happy with that so that's good i yeah. i mean I, i'm i can't handle not having something to do i i took a week off and i planned something to do literally every single day yeah because i otherwise i get depressed i can't i, like, I need something to do i think i did get depressed to be honest it was like so i mean it's march now we moved in February. I was finding, I was looking for a job all of February. And like, I, I am aware that I'm very lucky that it's like, you know, I, I think I found this, I, I shook hands on this job end of last week. I had done like a trial week of work at the place because it is very like laborious. So they want to make sure that I can like handle it and stuff. And I need to make sure I can handle it. And I can. So we shook on it then so i like beginning of march essentially i like took on this job and i'm very fortunate that like it was it was so in retrospect like short of a time to be like unemployed but i i was not doing well in february at all i was like i i'm not going anywhere i don't know where i'm gonna be going i'm like it was it was no bueno but we're good now. I have a paycheck. <laughs> That's I'm, always I'm good. I'm going on hikes. It's fine. <laughs> I needed to start doing more of like actually getting out and doing stuff. But like my job is very far away from where I actually live. And there is um, a comic book shop in. It, I went the there. So <laughs> for those. And I know who, this because I used to work in that town. <laughs> for those who, who um, aren't fully aware of uh, sort of our day-to-day lives, which I would assume are most of the people who are listening. I caught COVID uh, right around the time that we recorded an episode for the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. And literally the day that we recorded, I went to that comic book store uh, that you were were referring to. And 
Um, it is. I don't want to. I don't want to name names because I was unimpressed. <laughs> they have a lot mm-hmm. of stuff there, uh, but to the point that it is very disorganized. Uh, I spent probably forty five minutes in that store, walking around looking at stuff because there are things everywhere, and like I ended up things as in like merch other than books and in in addition to the books there like there was just everything in this place okay and the the books there are several sections that you can look at and some of them are like what you would normally think of as the new releases rack they're not all new releases i in fact i bought a power rangers comic book while i was there and I didn't right. really look at the title or anything. I just saw the cover and I was like, that's pretty cool. It's a number one. I will just buy it and that'll be that. I ended up buying a, a Power Rangers comic book that I already have. Uh, under. Oh, no. a, I mean, it's fine. I like this. It's a variant cover. Um, oh, okay. I enjoyed the variant and that's kind of why I bought it. And it was a number one. So it was kind of interesting. Um, even though it, what it actually was was like a single issue that came out as its own thing, right? Okay, so it was like a little one-shot. Right, but so after I got it and I opened it up, I was like, wait, I actually know this uh, this book because I bought it before and it's like months old. <laughs> mm. But it was okay. on the, the new releases rack. Right. So, I mean, it was an interesting experience. I... I probably would never go back into that comic book store. I, I didn't hate it. It was just, it's very overwhelming. And I don't do well with that level of disorganization. No, that's just not the kind of shopper that you are. Right. Like, that's okay. It's like some people can't shop at TJ Maxx because they don't want to go through the rack. And it's like, all right, it's newsy Liz. Sweaters are mine. Um, well, that's fair. This wasn't your style. But that being said, um, we are here to talk about Spider-Man, and in particular, yes, the Clone Saga, yeah. uh, which um, I honestly, I, I don't even know what to expect from this, because the last issue sort of ended with Mary Jane uh, meeting with another Peter, and then that was kind of how it ended. So this kind of storyline is five issues and it really felt like it was five issues. And this <laughs> is the, we're doing the Mark of Cain. Yes, this is going to be the storyline of Mark of Cain. It starts with Web of Spider-Man number 124 and this issue is called Walls. Uh, I found the the titles of these to be very silly, by the way. But it's fine. I get it's a comic book. I guess it's fine if it's silly. It's okay. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a long journey, but it is a straightforward journey fairly. Um, so it's gonna be fine. Anyway, Web of Spider-Man 124. You got your writer, Terry Cavanaugh, your penciler, Steve Butler. Uh anchor is Randy Emberlin. And then colorist Kevin Tinsley, letterer Steve Dutrow, and your editors are Eric Fain and Danny Fingeroth. And I have successfully listed off all of the credits of this <laughs> issue. I haven't forgotten one. 
And I'm going to be honest, everyone, I don't think I forgot a single one in this episode. And if I did, I'm sorry. But I don't think I did. So, go me. Anyway, so this one is going to start off with uh, original Peter Parker. He is at a press release. And he's with his lawyer, which is Grant Buckner, who I think we have mentioned before, but he's a very expensive uh, defense attorney. J. Jonah Jameson is personally paying. I remember this from from my story. (laughs) Yes, he is paying for him. And, but no one, I don't, people don't really know that. Yeah, no, it's a secret. J. Jonah Jameson is trying to help Peter, but he doesn't want anyone to know that he's helping Peter. Correct. So we're basically at like a press conference with the public. Uh, reporters are there like, you know, your Ken Ellis and your Betty Brandt. Those are commonly reoccurring people. And Peter Parker is in front of all these people in chains. He's pretty stressed out. Um, also, like all the detectives involved with his arrest are there as well. It's kind of just the typical like We've caught this man. He's going to go on trial. And then people ask a bunch of questions. Um, this scene is pretty much just a purpose to kind of get into a look into each character's head. Um, Detective Raven is like, basically, he's kind of like, I got to keep looking because now I've got this new evidence on my face. If you don't remember, he got Kane on his face. Um, <laughs> he got, he, Kane, he got Kane faced. <laughs> He's not Kane dead. Used his like weird, uh, magic his powers. Weird yeah. To like, I, I guess like burn his face. I don't know what it does. It just, I think it's a burn. At least for this sake, it is. Otherwise it kills you. And so maybe it's like acid. I don't know. Now, um, I, having now, <laughs> They I don't know, explain it. <laughs> knowing Kane's origin, which I know you don't at the moment. Nope. I have, I have a, I have a guess as to how it works, but I don't think they ever actually say how it works in the comics. I just want to know what it is. I I'm at this when, point. When get, the bare minimum of origin. understanding Kane is what I need. The bare minimum. <laughs> so we but, do uh, coming up. We will get into it. But I mean, yeah. I think once we get into his origin, I'll kind of explain my thoughts on how his powers work. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, a Kane masterclass. We're about it. Right. Um. But anyway, that's what that's what Detective Raven is thinking. He's just like. Ah, I gotta get this shit figured out. And Peter is incredibly upset because he's obviously, it really, it thankfully it does remind you how quickly like Aunt May died and then he was arrested. And like, they are just not letting him process that. And he is aware and he is sad. So he's still grieving about Aunt May. He's very worried about his wife, Mary Jane, because she's pregnant. And he's like, oh, my God, my wife is pregnant and I'm in jail. And on top of all of this, he's just because he's seeing all this press and everything. He's like very aware of like my life is literally never going to be the same. 
after this whole experience, whether I'm found guilty and I'm arrested or I'm found not guilty, I still have this experience and people have seen me like this now and that's pretty poopy. Um, so that is kind of how it opens up. Pretty bleak. There we go. Um, I mean, I, I think it's kind of interesting that he keeps saying, or he, I guess he's thinking that his life will never be the same because then I, in my mind, I start laughing because in like 10 years, it's, it's as though that never happened. I know. It's amazing what 10 years can do. <laughs> just forget all of your, your past traumas. What a time. Or just have them erased from your life entirely. Who knows? But we go next to Mary Jane, who's essentially like feeling the same way. She's just pretty overwhelmed and upset because she's worried about her husband and she's worried about her pregnancy experience. Um, she is currently at Dr. Seward's lab they, with uh, Ben Riley and the doctor himself. And they're just running tests on her pregnancy to see if everything is going like as it should. She's in the first trimester. So it's like early, but like, you know, still pretty like getting developed. So they want to just make sure everything's going good. Yeah, um, I don't really know much about pregnancy, but it seems like that would be when you would have a lot of questions about Yeah, well, because like the first trimester is just like, you want to make sure that things are starting off well. And like... It seems like Dr. Seward and Ben Riley also are testing to see because Peter Parker is obviously Spider-Man and he has radioactive spider shit in his... Uh, got radioactive sperm. He could. We don't know. Um, that's what we're trying to figure out. And it's... It's kind of like you feel bad for Mary Jane because it's like... She obviously like understands the relationship that she has and that she's been in and like that the the complications of being pregnant in general. But it's like, sometimes you just want a normal thing, like a normal doctor, but she's got to go to freaking Dr. Seward, who is like, not the most, like he's not a doctor that you want at your bedside. You know, he's kind of, he's a fine guy, but he's not very like, how are you feeling? He's like, all right. IVs, let's go. So, you know, she's <laughs> I a mean, bit... I, I think it's interesting to, uh, like, with Dr. Seward trainer. Yes. Yes. Uh, he is someone who has, like, multiple laboratories in multiple states. It's just another one of those, like, I don't think that you can do that without being kind of shitty. It's sort of like the whole, you can't be yeah. a billionaire without, like, hurting he's someone. Just, he's straight logos and no pathos. <laughs> right. You know? Um, but she's still obviously very appreciative that she does have these resources and people willing to help her in such a shitty situation. And so you get a glimpse in her mind um, of what's going on. And, of course, like... At the end of the scene, you see that Kane is watching from afar and he knows that 
like, I guess he now knows that Mary Jane will die with child. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Has that been something that has been revealed before? It's always been the thing where, like, Cain will have some sort of migraine and vision that is like, Mary Jane will die. She will die. And now it's just gotten a tad more specific. Now she will die with child. So she allegedly will die while being pregnant. According to Cain. But Cain is also not very reliable. Shit could change. That's pretty much how that scene ends. And then we go to uh, P-3PO, our lovely third Peter Parker that showed up out of nowhere a couple issues ago, is just at Aunt May's place to reminiscing. He's like reminiscing and like grieving over her death. But like, this confused me because he was not, he was around when she died, like he was an existing character when she died and they, they didn't look on him at all. Then it's only now that it's like, he's like dealing with her death. And I'm like, that just seems sus. Cause it's like, they never made it a thing that he remembered all of these things. Like Ben Riley did. Until maybe, like, some details, like, recently. But, like, Aunt May dying was a present thing. So it's, like, how does how does he know that she's dead? Does, does, any, does this make sense? Does my confusion make sense? Yes. Because uh, okay. I'm also confused. And I think it might have to do with the breakdown between the writers, between the last story arc and this one. Because... I think, like, it's also... Like, Ben Riley knowing Aunt May died makes sense to me because he already was aware of Spidey Senses. He was, he had memories of Aunt May and, but, and he did develop his own life and personality and individuality. But it was very clear that he still had some strong bonds to her because sometimes you just can't fight feelings that you have towards some form of maternal figure. I get that. Um, And like, again, he knows what the feeling of a spidey sense is. He knows that something is going wrong. So of course he'd want to go check that out because he knew the context of Aunt May. But with this, this P3PO, like he like out of nowhere, just, involuntarily fought a bunch of robbers and he was like, what the fuck is this? So like (laughs) he (laughs) like, does does this make sense? Like there's one clone. Yes. Who has understands all the context of where he came from and what things mean in his body and in his mind. But now there's this other one who, as far as I understood, didn't understand the complexity of like their powers did still didn't know who they were and maybe heard the term Peter Parker once and slowly started to remember maybe like the power and responsibility kind of origin story. But like, how would he have known? It just, it felt weird. I got the impression in the last story arc and this is where it, so the last story arc, like it ran through 
so many plot points. This is a five-issue story that you're doing. Mine was two. And I and feel- there was so much that went on. <laughs> right. So my impression was that P3PO, at the end, fully understood who he was. Like, came to the realization, at the very least, I am Peter Parker. And most likely also remembers that he is Spider-Man, right? Like, he's all of this is sort of coming together. And the thing that's weird for me is the last story arc sort of ends with what I assumed was, maybe it's been now, but, like, what it looked like was P-3PO showing up to talk to Mary Jane. So that was Ben showing up to talk to Mary Jane. that's and we're going to get to that literally so right. confusing. <laughs> we're going to get to that right now though, I promise you. So um yes, because P3PO, he's at he's like reminiscing, he's like he's like he becomes violently angry. That was another like really weird thing. I was like, "Damn, you like actually maybe just figured out this person died and you are viciously angry." He's like breaking shit. Um he's angry about like not knowing how long he's quote unquote, like been gone and who's done this to him. And he runs away from like the scene, like, and he's allegedly just like going around searching for the person who like stole his face because he's very convinced that he is the real Peter Parker at this point. He's like, I am the one who's taking over, who took over my life for the past God knows how long. And like, he's mad. So, like, that's a thing. And he's going to come back at the end of this issue. We're going back to uh, Mary Jane. And she decides that she wants to, like, go home. And she's she wants to go on a walk by herself. She wants to walk home alone. And Ben Riley is like, I should go with her. But she wants to be alone. And Dr. Trainer is just like, no, we have things to do. You're going to stay here. So that's, like, a time... And then essentially as she's walking home, she gets taken by Kane. Kane just like kind of pops out of the sewer grate and is like, gotcha. And then he drags her down like it style. So we have Kane is now part time Pennywise the clown. He lives in the Interesting. sewers. Interesting. And he takes women. So he grabs a hold of her. She... Like, I guess there was just a really strong hose or a pipe or something in the sewer and just like blasts him with a water pipe and runs away. She gets out of the sewer and the issue ends with um, her running into P3PO. Gotcha. And so that's why I say like, I'm 90% sure that in the issue that you read, she meets up with Ben Riley. So because she's pretty like shocked. She's like, what the hell? There are, are like, some small side things that happen that I just, like, it's, like, whatever. Like, one of the editors at the Daily Bugle talks to J. Jonah Jameson being, like, I know you're paying for Peter Parker's lawyer. And also, like, are we going to publish the story that we wrote about the press conference and Triple J's, like, buried Would this have been uh, Joe Robbie Robertson? I think so. Uh, is he a black guy? Yes. Yeah, that checks out. Uh, I he is in most iterations of the Daily Bugle, 
I I like him more than I like J. Jonah Jameson. J- Jameson is an interesting character, but I think um, yeah. uh, Robbie tends to be the nicer character, and so I tend to like him a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was fine. Um, it was basically, it was literally just a conversation of them debating on whether or not they should publish the story about Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson doesn't want to. Um, and someone also calls him out for like paying for the lawyer and they end up burying the story. It's because they, they don't want to be a part of like tearing down Peter Parker is essentially the triple J motive. Um, there's also another like little thing that will come into play later where detective Raven is grabbed by Stunner, who, if you don't remember, because I didn't briefly, <laughs> but it's a, uh, it was, it was Doc Ock's girlfriend before he died. She's like super tough and cool and stuff. And so basically she grabs a hold of Detective Raven and is like, hey, we both know Peter Parker didn't kill Dr. Octopus. So why don't we buddy cop this out? And uh, that's the conversation. So those are the two little side things that happen, but pretty much that is Web Spider-Man 124. I have a a little bit to add to the stunner conversation. Yeah. Uh, So uh, in going through Life of Riley with Glenn Greenberg's comments, um, he actually had something to say about stunner. He said, as I recall, Stunner was created by Tom DeFalco. She was an interesting character since she obviously had very strong ties to Dr. Octopus, even though we had never seen her before. Uh, there was clearly a lot of backstory to her, and I was curious to see how Tom D was going to retroactively work her into Ox history. Tom D definitely had a lot of ideas for Stunner, which he would reveal over time. In fact, an entire storyline would later be done that would be the culmination of all the groundwork laid down for her throughout the Clone Saga and beyond. So it, sh- her introduction was like only a few story arcs ago. And right. they, I, she actually does seem like a character that they have uh, some idea about, at least from what I have read. Like she doesn't seem like a character that's just like, Here's a mystery for no reason. And we're just going to keep hammering home all of these random mysteries. It really does feel like she was a fully fledged character put down and they're going to slowly reveal. It's very different from Kane. Yes. (laughs) Like I, I liked the scene. It was small and like, but I also, I liked it because it made sense. Right. Like I don't, I honestly, I genuinely still feel like, if they did it, if they nixed a couple things, because obviously, like, it's very clear that they came with the intention of now continuing it after, like, the the 400th issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But, like, it could have ended there. Like, it, it could have if some things were changed. Yeah, just small but, tweaks. Yeah. But I like how they've brought Stunner back from, like, Dr. Octopus dying because it does make sense. It, she has a very valid motive and like she is kind of doing carrying out Doc Ock's wishes of like saving P- 
Peter Parker, essentially. Yeah. And so I think it, I think it's cool. I think it makes sense. Um, and I, I like it because actually for the rest of this, in the future of this Mark of Cain little bit, she comes back and you get to see, you know, work being done. So that's like one thing I like overall. Uh, so far, I'm on board. I like what's yeah. happening. <laughs> I think it's fine. It was, um, it was definitely like a feelings issue. Like, uh, everyone's feeling the feelings and we're going to hear them. And I don't mind that. Um, so yeah, now we're, we're going to pick it up with Spider-Man 58. It's called Spider, Spider, Who's Got the Spider? What a time. Actually, no, just kidding. I scrolled too fast. We're actually going to, um, part dose, which is the amazing Spider-Man number 401 down in the darkness. Instead of down with the sickness, it's down in the darkness. Uh, writer is J.M.D. Matias. Penciler is Mark Bagley. Inker is Larry Malstead. I hope I said that right. I'm so sorry, Larry. Uh, colorists are Bob Sharon and Salvador Mancha. Letterers are Bill Oakley. And the editor is Danny Fingeroff. And I still didn't miss a fucking credit. It is literally going to start two seconds after where we finished. Uh, part uno. P3PO is frantically yelling at Mary Jane being like, I'm the real Peter Parker and the one that you're married to right now stole my life and I've been imprisoned for five years and Mary Jane is really confused because only a couple days ago she actually met Ben Riley. She did not know that there was potentially a third clone. Seems like not really any of them did that much. So she's really confused. Um, to be fair, I don't think the writers really knew either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone knew. It feels very obvious, um, but what a time. So yeah, she's confused, but she's honestly far more concerned with the fact that Kane is still literally chasing her and she is losing ground by having this conversation with the third Peter Parker. So she basically is like, okay, that's, that's cool. I don't have time to deal with this right now. And if you're the real Peter Parker, then you should just, uh, you should, you should beat up Kane over there so I can get away. And then she just starts booking it. And P3PO is basically like, anything for you, wife. I'm going to kick his ass. And then Kane catches up and it, P3PO gets the ship beat out of him. Um, this is interesting. Very quickly. I'm cuz in so if I'm thinking of P3PO's personal history, if he was cloned at the same time Ben Riley was, which it seems like he was. Mm-hmm. He has no personal history with Mary Jane other than they kind of dated for a very brief I think they went on a date maybe and then they were good friends. But like it's weird that he would be like, this is my wife and I must protect her. I mean, yes, he should be protecting people who need protecting, but like to have this devotion to a relationship that he never experienced. Yes, but also, 
I don't know. Because to me, like, there's obviously moments where it's like Ben Riley is aware that, like, Mary Jane's a great lady. And, like, they have some nice moments. And he's like, I understand why Peter Parker is married to her. And, but I feel like because he is so sound of body and mind at this point, he's having, like, very good reactions to their relationship. I think if I woke up from a coma with no context and found a person that I was in a relationship with, like, married to someone with a face like mine and I didn't know that I was a clone, probably would be like, yeah, that's my husband because it's my life and you took okay. it from me. I, I can see so, I can see that reasoning. Because it seems like, I don't know how long they've actually been married, but five years seems to be like the number for clones being created. So arguably any of them would have just been dating her five years ago. And then maybe the following year got married. I, I, I mean, something like that checks out. The The timeline is very confusing anyway, when it comes yeah. to like how long things happened. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I don't really know, like, I don't really know what's going on with this. This third one's truly a time, but he's just like determined. He's like, I'm going to prove I'm the real Peter Parker. I'm going to save. And then he gets the shit kicked out of him, as I said. But he picks himself back up and he heads back on the hunt to protect Mary Jane. So I I don't know. He's kind of, he's really just unhinged. Like if you look at photos of, he's just. It sounds like. Kind of. Yeah, it's really weird. So now we're going to go to Peter Parker in original Peter Parker in his jail cell. I refer to him as the original because he is the one who started out as the original in this series. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) because it's starting to get confusing now that there's three of them actively like doing things. So OG Peter Parker in his jail cell, um, he's hoping things will turn out okay. Suddenly Chakra like just shows up in his cell and basically is delivering a message from Judas Traveler. She tells him that Kane is after his wife. And then she just like leaves. Peter goes to make uh, a phone call because he's like, that's some scary news. I should go check on my wife and it makes, okay. So he picks up the phone in the comic and then it goes to a cool transition where essentially like Ben Riley is also on the phone. And I watched it half. I like read it and I was like, oh, that's a cool transition. Fun. I just wanted to make that note that I thought it was creative. Good job. Basically, he was on the phone with Mary Jane. Uh, Mary Jane basically just sums up what happened in the past 10 minutes to her. And then she abruptly hangs up on him because she's like, I got to keep running. Ah. Um, she's pretty pissed because she's like, I'm tired of being victimized and like pushed around by men in tights. Um, and she's gonna, she's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go and try and take control of my situation. Cause it's like, honestly, you go lady. That is a very reasonable choice for you. 
you're pregnant, there's clones, and a man tried to drag you down a sewer, I too would be pretty mad. Um, I consistently like Mary Jane, especially in this era of Spider-Man comics, where she is, like, she doesn't always make the right decision, but I at least always understand her decisions. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Her and Aunt May, top tier. Top tier characters. And Ben Riley. Ben Riley's pretty great. Anyway. <laughs> Meg does better, man. So she goes off, and now we are back to OG Peter Parker in prison. He decides that he is going to sneak out because he is willing to risk his life and reputation to save his wife. And if someone tells him mysteriously that his wife is going to be killed, he's like, well, shit, I gotta fix that. So as soon as he gets outside of the prison, he is stopped by Judas Traveler. It's a big, scary thunderstorm, and he's all there in cape and shit. Judas says that he'll help Parker by creating the illusion of him in his cell, another convenient superpower, apparently, while <laughs> Chakra helps him get to where he needs to go via the astral plane, which I guess is how Chakra works. Uh, I guess that's their power. Um, but wait, if it's the astral, so I don't understand how that works at all, because that would seem like that would be just your spirit, not your body. You know, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> but maybe it's one of those things where it's like, beam me up, Scotty, and then you're just, you're all there. I guess when it comes to Judas Traveler and his group, uh, you just kind of have Convenience to... Convenience is key with them, you know? Yeah, you just have to go with it. I was actually going to say, his he, he should have a superhero name that is something more like just Convenience Man. Should be 7-Eleven. Spelled out. 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah, I, oof. This Fully. seems like a... a Seven Judas Eleven. <laughs> I can see this being a thing. You know, he's just like an old man. And like with his like... He's he's not like disheveled. Like he's a clean cut old he's man. He's a bedazzled cowboy. <laughs> he is a bedazzled cowboy that I would 100% expect to see at the slushy machine. So... His new name is 7-Eleven. I will forget that in like five minutes, but... I'm honestly surprised we remembered P3PO. <laughs> it's because it's the quickest way to write my notes, so I always just write P3PO. Because <laughs> I'm garbage. Anyway, back to vitamin. So Peter agrees to this, and so him and Chakra are off to go where they need to go. Scryer, who I did not know was here at all, is now here. And um, him and Judas just have a really confusing conversation about knowing each other for a long time, but not knowing each other. And it's it was really dumb. Uh, but I mentioned that it happened, so I, am, I can't get in trouble. Um, we now go back to Mary Jane. She truly has taken matters in her own hands. She... Uh, has pulled out her gun from her closet that she's just been hiding for a long time for the day that she felt like she needed to use it. And now she feels like she needs to carry it. And she's very sad about that. I'm sad for her. 
you really like empathize with her in this like story run because she has just truly been like I have had enough and I hate that I have to like use this tool to protect myself so she's kind of monologuing about that and then suddenly someone approaches from behind her she's like in her bedroom like at the foot of like her closet essentially and she turns around and it's it's spider-man it's like spider suit and all but she's talking to spider-man and like after a minute of talking she realizes that it's p3po and he's put on peter's (laughs) spider suit and she's just creepy oh my god it was so unsettling to read it was i was honestly like i was creeped out like and his face in like express oh it was so creepy because he's just like we're we're together now and it's like no um so she's like mad freaked out and she shoots the gun in his direction to like scare him away or is it another reason because now kane is behind p3po and knocks him out again so it's just like this poor woman is being like terrified over and over again. Kane gets the gun out of Mary Jane's hands and like knocks her out as well and kidnaps her again. She wakes up in his sewer lair. He's got a lair in a sewer. Lots of pipes. And then essentially the issue ends with Ben Parker showing up at uh, Mary Jane's house because he just had that chaotic phone call and wants to be wants to check up on her. And then he just sees like P3PO knocked out on the ground. And then immediately after he sees that, OG Peter Parker comes out of the astral plane. And it's a little bit of the like pointing hoo-ha kind of the the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. Yes. Oh kind man. of this is this is getting a lot weird. It's yeah. getting weird and it's getting a lot. Um, Is this, so was that the end was that the end of the issue? Was that, that they all show up in the same house? Yeah. That was the end. Basically, my thoughts on this was I thought it was like fine. I really like Mary Jane and I'm really sad for how she's doing. And I f- was really surprised by the whole really creepy tone, almost like scary 90s thriller of um P3PO. He's yeah. like getting he's getting creepy. And I didn't expect that from the Clone Saga. But they're doing it and it's like, wow, you guys can do scary. And I don't know why they didn't do that with Kane instead. Yeah, I mean, give him literally anything that isn't just uh, he's a guy that stares at things and is a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That That's a weird decision for them to make. Uh, and it's just, I, it's very, they're really putting P3PO right now, like in the forefront of this storyline, which I found to just be a weird decision because I didn't really give a shit about him before. And now I have to like watch him be insane which it's like, I am a fan of thriller novels and things like that. So it's like, it kind of, it, it pokes that part of my brain. But overall, I'm like, this is such a weird tonal shift. What's happening? 
Um, I think you and I both kind of like horror, I think. Yes. And so there's this weird... I think both of us can get behind a horror superhero story. But this... It's weird for it to take such a turn now. (laughs) It doesn't... There there doesn't seem to be a big build-up to it. It's weird, and it's also... Yeah, and it's also, like, it just, I feel like we literally just had a conflict where, like, people didn't know who the real Peter Parker was, and I know that, like, that's what, I mean, like, I guess it's, like, how could I not have known for it to happen again? I guess, like, I knew it would happen again, because it's the Clone Saga, but, like, it just happened. (laughs) I actually have uh, some notes from, again, from Life of Riley with Glenn Greenberg uh, about this particular thing. Uh, He starts by saying, okay, at this point, the Spider-Man books were in danger of becoming like that old Marx Brothers movie where everyone was running around dressed like Groucho. Now that the three Peters were in the same place at the same time, there needed to be some sense of resolution to all of this. The Clone Saga was still very engaging and compelling, but from a story point of view, things really should have been headed for the ultimate conclusion, which I think you and I have been kind of saying that for a little bit now. Mm -hmm. It does feel like they were building to something and then they just keep going. And Greenberg says, as an aside, it should be noted that the sales on the Spider-Man books at this time were phenomenal. I feel the need to point at that, despite popular belief, the Clone Saga significantly boosted sales on the Spider-Man books. At a time when the comics industry was starting to head downward, with sales dropping across the board on every title, the Spider-Man line was bucking the trend, with sales holding steady and even increasing each month. Of course, the downside to it was that everyone on the business side of Marvel was pushing us to keep the Clone Saga going for as long as possible, to milk it for all that it was worth. Looking back, I can understand their position. The Clone Saga was one of the very few things that was actually working in the comics industry at that time, and there was a great deal of fear that the sales would drop like an anvil once the story was over. But of course, unnaturally prolonging uh, what was, at its essence, a very finite storyline was extremely short-term thinking, and the kind of approach that could hurt the entire franchise. We, the editors and the writers, knew this, but the sales and marketing department wielded a lot of power and influence at that time, and we had little choice but to follow their lead, which is why Marvel was doing so many gimmick covers and alpha issues and omega issues and multi-part crossover storylines, and, well, you get the idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that is very evident with where we are in, in the Clone Saga. And I can also say, as someone who reads comics from this time, uh, oh boy, there was so much going on where um, they were pushing in in what they thought sold and not what made a good story. Yes, I can taste the milk in, that is being yeah, oh, yeah. milked. And it's milky. <laughs> oh boy. I, as someone... Um, what a sentence that was. <laughs> yeah. As someone who who uh, uh, read a lot of, I, I, so I'm I'm not like a comic historian by by any 
stretch of the imagination. I know a lot about very weird, trivial things. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, uh, there there's an episode that I want to write for us to go over okay. that would explain why the sales department has such a a stranglehold on where on on editorial, essentially at the time, and it's really. I mean, to, I could sum it up for you. I mean, we could get into the details in an actual episode, but sum it up for you right now. It's it's essentially the Beanie Baby market. That's what that's what the comic industry is at this time. People are buying it, thinking it's going to sell a lot, and the sales department says, "Okay, how do we how do we sell more?" And it's really similar to how like you'll you'll see. Uh, um, agitators online. I'm I'm gonna pick on the Daily Wire, with like you get Ben Shapiro and those assholes over at the Daily Wire. Their shows are incredibly boring, but what they do is like let's say their show is an hour long. They have five minutes of it, which is incredibly inflammatory. Very like people want to see that part of it. And that can be edited down to a TikTok or an Instagram reel. Something like that. Yeah. And that is what gets them all of the attention. It's it's short-term thinking, but it does work to an extent. Mm-hmm. And that that's what the comic book industry was doing. They they wanted as much attention on a short-sighted thing as possible. Right. I mean, it's definitely a strategy. It's just, I think... It's a shitty strategy. um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I agree. And because when it comes to just something like books and literature, story-based media, like, it is important to market it, but you're marketing a story. So you need your product, your story to be good, you know, like, yes, like we'll go to Starbucks. Starbucks is marketing coffee, but it's a large brand. They want their coffee to be consistent from store to store. So that way it's like when you go get a caramel macchiato from Cleveland, it's going to be the same in Toronto. I, I realize those have, are two different countries, cities, have, um, but you know what I mean. I have something that might actually uh, work a little bit better there. And it's only it's another thing that oh, we have. A no, weird- wait. Oh. Okay, TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays is a big old chain in America. Um, what they do, it like, and, and bar, bar drinks, cocktails are like a big thing with TGI Fridays. Like, you just, you go, you have some apps, you have some drinks, it's a time. Every bartender at that works for a TGI Fridays has to be, like, specifically trained in order to make the, their drinks their way, their shots have to be poor. Like, they do poor tests all the time, so that way, like, you could work at any TGI Fridays Ever. If you were on vacation in Hawaii and you live in like Utah or whatever, like you could pick up a shift in Honolulu TGI Fridays because of how just like that. I'm not saying, it's you know, because it's so consistent on how. Yeah. Cause how, they care about run. the product. And like, I mean, who doesn't 
in America know what a TGI Fridays is. This is how much it's advertised. They gave a shit about both. I'm not saying it's like the best thing in the world, but like it's pretty impressive that your cosmopolitan can taste the same in 50 different states. Pretty cool, right? I, and the the only thing that I was I, I was going to mention earlier was McDonald's. Yeah. There there was a point in early in McDonald's's history where the French fries tasted different in different states because they were using different potatoes from different climates. You know, blah 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 yes. blah. And what they learned was there was a way for them to extract some of the moisture from the French fries. They could they could literally get it down to these should all be the same consistency so that when you fry them in a particular area, they are going to taste the same. And that's literally like one of the most advertised fast food places ever. Again, right. it's, it's you, get you both. have to care have, about both the quality things. and the sales. You have to care about selling and the product, for sure. And I understand that they're caring about selling these comics. But um, oh, yeah. the the quality is very wavery. Um, and you can tell by, like, how much is put in. Like, we just spent so much time just talking about Web of Spider-Man 124. Granted, there was, like, a couple of little, like, sides, But, like, we spent a good amount of time on it. And we just freaking zipped through 401. And now we're going right. to even, I think even quicker, zip through Spider-Man 58. And this one is Spider-Spider, Who's Got the Spider. It's written by Howard Mackey. Penciler is Tom Lyle. Inker is Scott Hanna. The colorist is Kevin Tinsley. And the letterer is Richard Starkings. And the editor is Dandy Fingeroth. Okay, that's no. like a personal goal of mine is to be better at that because I'm I'm bad. Anyway, okay, again, it's going to pick up literally right where it left off. Three spiders really confused at each other. The two Peters, so P3PO and original Peter Parker straight out of Rikers, they get into an argument about who's the real, the real boy and who's the Pinocchio. It almost gets physical, mainly because of P3PO, but uh, Ben breaks it up because he's like, we don't have time for this. People are in trouble. P3PO passes out from his injuries from Kane. Peter, OG Peter Parker, basically he, because somebody else is wearing his, uh, somebody else has been eating my porridge. He's got to take a different porridge from the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he puts on the, uh, the black mask he has a black spider suit oh yeah from from the the he after he had the symbiote suit he created a cloth version of the same thing that didn't know that he's wearing that mask as his uh disguise so that is how in the comics you know who is who ben riley is in scarlet spider attire uh, original Peter Parker is wearing his black mask and like a jacket and basically a gray sweatsuit. And then P3PO is in OG Spider-Man costume. So now Peter Parker and Ben Riley are going to go and look for Mary Jane. Basically a lot of this dialogue between Peter and Ben is Peter just wanting to go 
save his wife and then he's got to go. And he's like, I'm going to just do this on my own because he is really annoyed that um, that P-3PO is like mucking shit up. And uh, Ben Riley is very much like the voice of reason being like, no, I'm going to come with you because I have experience fighting Kane. I understand and I empathize that you're like worried about your wife, but I am the only one that has legitimately fought Kane. So you need me Good to come point. with you because it's hard and you can't do it alone. So there we go. That's like a lot of dialogue that happens. Because it was kind of a debate, like, who's going to look after the third Peter? No one's going to look after him. It's not worth it. Because eventually he's going to get back up and start being weird again. But <laughs> Ben Riley, Peter Parker, original one, are on the hunt for the wife. Mary Jane is still trapped in a sewer with Kane, who um, we really like to call Kane just the person that watches things. That's literally all he's doing right now. He's literally like owling on a rock, just like watching Mary Jane. He's not doing anything with her. He's just watching her in a sewer. It's weird. He has uh, internal thoughts being like, she's pretty and alludes to the fact that he wants what Peter wants, which is really cryptid, cryptic and like, My just Lord, alludes more to the fact that he's a clone. It's super creepy. Super weird. I feel so bad for this woman. She goes to leave. She's like, I'm just, he's just standing here. I'm just going to try and leave. But Kane threatens her. He has another migraine in front of her. Just being like, Mary Jane will die soon. She, I don't know if this had been mentioned before, but she has like a little spider tracker button. Like it's a little like call. It sends out a signal. That only the spider yeah. I don't know if that here. was ever mentioned in this storyline, or even if it, it was brought up before. But it makes sense. Yeah, it, I don't think it was like explicitly meant, but that's like a tool that she has. She was really debating on using it for a while because she's like, "My husband's in prison. What good is this going to do?" And she's kind of like, "I don't. I'm just doing it because like I have no other options, and I need to get out of here. I don't have a gun anymore." So she hits that little like tool and both Peter Parker and Scarlet Spider get the signal and they follow it. We, this is when we find out P3PO is trailing behind them. Uh, he seems like still kind of brain damaged though, or he's just really <laughs> creepy. Hard to tell. Eventually Peter Parker and Scarlet Spider, they make it to the sewers where her signal is like the strongest. And they come up with, like, a logical plan. Basically, the logical plan is Ben Riley is going to kind of be the brute of the fighting and fight Kane because he's got more experience. And Parker will focus more on getting his wife out of there. And so that's how they're going to do it. The two of them together, they don't know that they're being followed. Until literally right now, they get down into the sewer and then just like P3PO busts violently through like a wall <laughs> <laughs> and get into like a small argument with Peter Parker again. And then he punches through another wall, which reveals a hidden tunnel leading to like the 
Belair, essentially. And this is just kind of another thing showing how, like, really reckless and, like, easily to violence that this P3PO is. Which is another thing that just really makes it feel like this is a straight-up clone that's just, like, weird in the head. Because, like... Right. Ben Riley was not really a quick-to-jump to violence. Peter Parker himself, yes, is a superhero, but the intention is always to save people, which involves fighting. I've never had an instant where I see, like, Ben Riley or Peter Parker punching something because they're angry or breaking something because they're frustrated. It's usually like, oh man, I need to process these feelings. I don't feel great. I'm going to go swing amongst the city. And like, I feel like that that's more of how Peter is usually portrayed, but there in one of the storylines that I covered, he was needlessly violent, but it was, seen as to at least to me very out of character so it makes sense that like a violent someone who would act that way would not necessarily be seen as like a peter parker (laughs) yeah okay it just it he's really he's really a loose cannon this one um but in a way it kind of helped because it did help them find the secret tunnel that helps them find Mary Jane in this weird sewer system that is New York City. She is being chased by Kane because she, you know, tries to make a run for it again. We just didn't, like, see it initiate. So they have all kind of met essentially underground at this point. And P-3PO just goes straight into, like, fighting instantly because he didn't know of a plan, but he's messing it up now. <laughs> um, right. But he gets like knocked away very quickly because Kane's just really good at beating up this version of a Peter Parker because the plan has now gone haywire. Peter Parker starts fighting and then the Scarlet Spider takes over. And now that the plan is back on track and Kane is occupied and the other Peter Parker is like, incapacitated again or just like he was knocked away for quite a while uh original peter parker takes his wife he's like let's get out of here and she's like kind of freaked out because again it's all the clones but like she knows that she's with the right one at this point so she knows that she's going to be getting to safety so peter parker is trying to get mary jane out of the sewer p3po basically comes to again and blocks their path. And he's like, no, I'm the real one, Mary Jane. Like, you got to come with me. And she's like, no, you're not. Like, I'm sorry, but like, what I got over here feels correct. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with that. And uh, I I trust her opinion. Right. Um, And he just kind of starts losing it he goes like full crazy and just starts saying that he's gonna kill everybody he's gonna kill them all and um it ends with basically original peter parker mary jane stuck between a crazy p3po who wants to kill everybody now and kane they're just in between a rock and a hard place 
And that is the end of this issue. Again, it's pretty quick. It's just like, there's an argument. They find the sewer. They fight in the sewer. One of them goes even more crazy than before. Hey, everyone. This is Derek and Corinne from the editing booth. We're in a booth. Not We're really. We're in a booth. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of issues recording this whole episode. And uh, we decided also, I mean, it went longer than I think either of us thought it was going to. It went a lot longer uh, because there's a lot of, (laughs) I forgot how much chaotic content was in this storyline. And I also forgot how equally chaotic my internet is at the moment in one particular room of my apartment. So we, uh, uh, we called it a night. (laughs) Yeah. But now we're back. <laughs> so we're going to, we're just going to wrap up um, real quickly. I'm just going to do the outro and then we'll see you guys next week for part two of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can find more information at comicallypedantic.com. You can also follow us on Instagram by searching at pedanticast. New episodes come out most Sundays on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at comicallypedantic.com. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them in text or audio recording to comicallypedantic at gmail.com. Please indicate if you'd like your name or question read on the air. And don't forget, we still own fuckcomicsgate.com. If you'd like to send a donation to the Games and Online Harassment Hotline, we will be back soon with part two of this deep dive into the world of comics. But until then, you can find more exciting adventures at your local comic shop. My cat is jingling at me being like, you dumb fuck. Um, That's not what clothes are for.